Hey everyone, before we start the show, a quick word from our sponsor, the American Nurse Association, which is a professional group that's trying to advance the nursing practice. It's there for us to help standardize nursing, helps bolster our health and wellness and in every single aspect of nursing. Feeling lucky? Well, the ANA is feeling awfully generous. They're giving away one free copy of Nursing Scope and Standards, fourth edition, as well as some other cool prizes. One winner will receive a MacBook Air, five winners will receive iPad minis, and 15 winners will receive some awesome Sony wireless headphones. Don't forget that this giveaway does not last long, so go to the nursingworld.org or click the description below to enter. We see ourselves more as a consultant that is helping the healthcare organizations with their selection, hiring, immigration, licensing, onboarding of their international nurses. And, and I have many, many nurse, you know, many, many stories of nurses from Philippines, from UK, from Australia, India, China, South Africa. I'm originally from South Africa, Canada, you know, many, many stories. Oh, I gotta go. I've been working, told them please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day. Now my fan they can't eat. Welcome, everyone, to the Couple of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Matt and myself, Peter. We have another amazing guest today, but before we introduce our guest, just a few words from us. Make sure you guys go on couplenurses.com. We keep all our show notes there, all our episodes, vlogs, everything that we literally do is on that website. And we also have a nice shop, couplenurses.shop. And also don't forget to check out Frontline Warriors. We are frontlinewarriors.com and we are frontlinewarriors.shop for some mindfulness and wellness blog posts. And I also want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in, especially the people that follow us on YouTube and check out our videos. For those of you who don't know, don't forget to check out our Facebook groups. We are literally couple of nurses everywhere. Just put a couple of nurses in Google, put a couple of nurses in Facebook, and we're for sure going to pop up. What's up, Matt? Hell yeah. We'd like to welcome today's guest, Tanya Friedman. Tanya Friedman is the founder of Kinetics USA. You can say that she is a career matchmaker. Kinetics USA specializes in medical placements, working across a range of disciplines within the medical industry, providing highly trained nurses that meet every requirement of their clients' companies. We dive into a broad range of topics, including international travel, which is exciting. So all those listeners that are into international travel or nurses overseas that want to come, you definitely don't want to miss this episode. Hey, Tanya, thank you for being on today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you end up where you are today? Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to be here. This is my second time on your podcast, so I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, my name is Tanya Friedman. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Kinetics USA. We help healthcare organizations all over the U.S. with a nursing shortage by bringing in internationally educated nurses. Um, we've been doing this for more than 14 years, and we recruit from 60 countries all over the world. Um, we have brought through thousands of nurses to the U.S. and work with many organizations all over the country. And I was an immigrant myself. I came here 21 years ago from South Africa and on Independence Day, and it was my true independence. So and I think that's why we have an absolute passion for helping international 
people coming to the country and setting them up for success. Uh, Tanya, what made you start your business? Um, well, um, I've been in recruitment for more than 30 years, so I have many years of experience. Um, and the business started on the engineering side in the U.S., um, but on the nursing side, it started when I had a friend from South Africa who actually worked for a hospital in California, um, and she approached me and said, we are so short of nurses, and this was like 14, 15 years ago, we're so short of nurses, can't you help? And I was like, well, I don't know anything about nurses. I don't know anything about immigration at that time. Um, and we did, in fact, help. And we placed over 150 nurses at that hospital, many of them who are still there. You know, many of them are still there today. Um, and that's basically how we got started. Yeah. And nursing, from my experience and from people that I talk to, it varies around the world. But it seems like the United States has like the best market for nurses just because being a nurse here is a little bit more lucrative, more fulfilling than it is in, in other countries. So what are like some reasons why people want to come here to, to be a nurse compared to staying in their own countries? Well, that's a good question. Um, and they will come from a, from a multitude of reasons. Predominantly, people will come here for professional opportunities. There's more uh, opportunities to expand and grow from a clinical and a professional perspective. Um, also for the money. Nurses are well respected and can earn a lot of money in the in the US as opposed to many other countries around the world. Um, sometimes they'll come here because of family. Uh, there are a lot of nurses that might have like a sister who lives here, a brother who lives here, so they come to join that family member. And there are also a lot of nurses that come here to be able to send money back home. So for example, there are a lot of Filipino nurses that come to the US and a portion of whatever they earn will go back to their family or relatives in the Philippines, for example, um, and will help you know, future generations in terms of their nursing career or being able to uplift them, their lives um, with that money. What are some things that these in international nurses say is different from healthcare from United States versus the country they came from? Lots of differences. And an international nurse, you can't just kind of generalize and say an international nurse because international nurses coming from different parts of the world are going to come with different backgrounds, different experience, different uh, socio-cultural approaches to life. So there's a lot of variation within the international nurses that come. Uh, but some of the main differences is that in a lot of countries, they still are not using electronic medical records, although a lot of countries are starting to move in that direction now. Um, but that can be one big difference. Um, there can be differences in terms of the equipment used, the technologies. There can be differences, just basic things like medication names um, or the metric system can be different. So there's a lot of things that even an experienced nurse overseas will have to learn when they come to the US. And then there are also a lot of socio-cultural differences. So in a lot of international countries, the nurses are in a different um, kind of, uh, they have a different approach here. Nurses are much more independent, much more autonomous. And they will uh, you know, work in partnership with the doctors. In some countries overseas, the doctor is just, you know, be all and end all um, and the nurse has no say so there can be cultural difference from that perspective some internationals nurses um, are taught to be more humble non-assertive 
Um, whereas when they come to America, they, you know, ask to be more assertive and to take part in the patient's um, treatment. And um, that can be a big difference for many nurses as well. Yeah, I'm very intrigued on how life is outside the United States because there's been a few nurses, especially from like uh, Haiti and the Dominican Republic, when they tell me, like when I ask them why did they come to be, become a nurse here, they tell me that they have like bad living conditions. It's a really big struggle to succeed there. Is there any like stories that you're willing to share with, with uh, people that you've kind of placed or any story that kind of sticks out? Oh, many. Many, many, many. We've got. If you've got all day, I can give you story after story of nurses that are just so inspiring in their courage, their bravery, their drive of how they've been able to transform their lives um, and really make such a huge difference in, in the lives of the patients that they take take care of here in the U.S. as well as the other nurses that they work with, because there's a shortage and you know the nurses here need help as well there just simply aren't enough nurses in the u.s um, but some stories so um, we have a nurse um, from nigeria her name is blessing um, she came directly from nigeria came from nigeria obviously a very poor third world country very difficult conditions she worked in the ed um, in nigeria came to the u.s and in the beginning, she, we placed her at a hospital in California. She found it really difficult to transition um, in the ED because there were just so many differences and it was a real culture shock for her. And um, this organization could see her potential uh, and they decided, made the decision to place her into a med surge unit. Um, she worked in the med surge unit for a year. And after a year, um, she moved to the ICU. She is now a charge nurse in the ICU. She's now a US citizen. Her family has settled in California. She's got her CCRN. She's, you know, she's a real, um, uh, just, you know, a wonderful inspirational story of triumph over a lot of hardships and how she's now contributing to that hospital and to that um, to that location, who are now very short of nurses. Wow. She sounds like she has some amazing work ethic. Yeah, yeah we're very fortunate yeah. to be nurses here. Yeah, and and I have many many nurse you know many many stories of nurses from Philippines, from UK, from Australia, India, China, South Africa. I'm originally from South Africa, Canada. You know, many many stories like that. Wow, are you able to place these nurses in all fifty states? Yes. So we place nurses in all 50 states, but we do direct hire. So, um, you know, even though people will see us as a recruitment company, we don't view ourselves as a recruitment company. We see ourselves more as a consultant that is helping the healthcare organizations with their selection, hiring, immigration, licensing, onboarding of their international nurses. So it's very much a partnership. It's really not like a travel nurse kind of arrangement. Like with a travel nurse, it's, um, you know, if they're looking for an ICU nurse, they're looking for that specific skill set and the nurse will be there. And in one or two days, as you guys know, they're going to be up and running and, and get on with it. International nursing is very different. And our relationship with our clients is very much a partnership and a collaboration. And it's very much of a long-term um, perspective. So are these nurses then placed under like a contract for like a year or two years? How does that kind of work once they once they are placed? So most of the nurses, there are two ways that a nurse can come into the U.S. One is on the EB3 green card, employment-based green card, um, which is permanent residency. 
So it's not a contract because it's it's a permanent job. They're coming in, you know, on a permanent green card. The other way that they can also come into the U.S. is if they are a Canadian or a Mexican citizen, and that would be on the TN visa. So there are two different routes that the nurses can come into the U.S. Typically, nurses, for example, don't come on an H-1 visa, which is a work visa, and for a number of reasons, which, you know, I, I won't go through in, in um to share with you on this podcast, but on the um, in answer to your question about the, the the contract or the timing, it's a permanent position. For example, on the green card side, and the nurses will will um, sign a commitment of a minimum of a three year commitment. So, and that is in uh, return for the hospital or the nursing home or the rehab facility and um, giving them a nurse package, and that package would be you know, maybe their green card fees, the lawyer's fees, premium processing, maybe a relocation, maybe an initial one month housing, you know, that kind of thing. And, and packages can vary, um, but it's it's the, the hospital are investing in, in the nurse to get them there. Um, and then the nurses will commit for a minimum of a three-year period after they've arrived in the U.S. in return for that investment. So that's kind of the industry standard. Okay. So once you do this three-year commitment, let's say they are placed on a unit in a hospital and they're kind of, they don't fit in the unit. Is there an opportunity for them to kind of switch units as long as they're still in that same hospital? Well, that would be up to the hospital and their policies and uh, procedures in, in terms of, of that particular nurse because they are di- they direct hire. So they are working directly for the hospital that, that sponsored them. They're not working for Kinetics. We're not a staffing company. So it would be the hospital's policy. So, for example, that example I gave you of Blessing, that hospital um, took the decision that they could see the potential in her um, and they knew that she was going through a you know, an adjustment period, and they felt she was going to be better off in a med surge unit, which she did for a year, and then she moved into an ICU unit. So it's probably on a case-by-case basis, but different hospitals might have different policies in that regard. And then regarding education, because I know education systems vary depending on the country. Uh, when they do become a nurse here or they want to be a nurse here, do they have to pass like the U.S. standard NCLEX, or do they take an yes. NCLEX in their own language or their own country? No, they have to pass the NCLEX. Um, and they, um, the, in fact, in, in our case, we don't have any nurses even interview with our clients until they've already passed the NCLEX exam. So that is, uh, that's a standard. Um, and in fact, from the kinetics perspective, we actually just implemented out of interest a, a new initiative, which is an NCLEX scholarship. Um, so we actually are currently paying for nurses to, um, to prepare them like a review course to prepare them for the NCLEX. This was just an initiative that we started because of the pandemic. We know that the pandemic has obviously been really tough on everyone, but particularly nurses. And it was our way of giving it, of paying it forward. And, and really just, we wanted to help. So, um, you know, so we do have a scholarship. So I don't know if there's anybody listening from around the world that really would like to come to the US, you're welcome to apply um, to us and, and to see if you qualify for the scholarship. But in answer to your question in terms of the education piece, um, the clients will not interview the nurse until they've already passed the NCLEX. In addition, the nurses need to pass a language proficiency exam um, to show that they are adept in terms of English um, if they were not trained in English. So they have to pass either the IELTS or the TOEFL, which is a nursing uh, a nursing uh, um, an exam, um, and they have to pass that in order to get their visa. 
The other thing that nurses need to do is they would need to get a document. It's called a visa screen certificate. And essentially what that is, it's an evaluation from an organization in Philadelphia. It's a, a, a nonprofit organization in uh, Philadelphia that's appointed by the US government um, to evaluate the transcripts of the nurses to make sure that they are equivalent to that of an American nurse. And most, well, not most, but yeah, I would say most international nurses actually have their bachelors. So most are equivalent, um, but at least it gives any prospective employer um, peace of mind because they know, number one, these nurses have passed the NCLEX. Number two, these nurses have passed an English proficiency exam. So they have a, a, a specified level of English uh, before they can come and work and live in the US. And number three, they've gone through the visa screen process, which is either done by CGFNS, and there's a new um, body that was just appointed recently called Joseph Silney, which is another organization that can evaluate the transcripts. But they need to go through that evaluation process to make sure that their education is equivalent to that of an American nurse. So that's really important for any prospective employer to know, because that obviously gives peace of mind that this nurse is a real nurse um, and is going to be able to come in and work as an RA. So before this nurse uh, gets appointed or has a position, you don't get the visa till you get the job, correct? That's I'm assuming that's the way it works. So from a nurse's perspective, how it would work is the first step is you have to pass the NCLEX exam. So that's number one from a nurse's perspective. Um, once you pass the NCLEX, you would interview with a prospective employer. Um, so from our side, we do this, this virtually. Before the pandemic, we used to fly to the UAE, fly to the Philippines, fly to South Africa, and, and uh, people would, you know, the clients would physically fly there and interview nurses. Now with the pandemic, it's really interesting. We've done a massive pivot and everything is done virtually. Um, so right now we have clients hiring literally thousands of nurses virtually, and it is working very successfully. So it, it's like a well-oiled machine. Um, we've kind of got it down. So they would interview um, uh, with a client. The client would make a selection. Once they've made an offer and the nurse accepts the offer, that is when you can start the green card process. Yeah. Do you see hospitals doing this more than before when it comes to hiring internationally versus from nursing schools or from inner, you know, interstates? That is a very good question. The answer is a big yes. <laughs> we are seeing explosive growth for international nurses. Because if you look at the facts, if you look at the figures, um, there was a nursing shortage, as everybody knows, before the pandemic. And this situation has been massively exacerbated to the, to the, the stage where it's no longer a shortage, it's a, it's a crisis. I mean, there just simply aren't enough nurses. This is a supply and demand issue. It's not a recruiting issue. So, you know, you see hospitals now where nurses are retiring, nurses leaving because they don't want to get vaccinated, nurses getting sick, nurses getting burnt out, not enough new grads, new grads uh, moving out of the profession, um, you know, and, and hospitals in response are using more travelers, are having massive sign-on bonuses. So that is where international nursing can be an, an excellent additional tool in the toolbox. And it's not to say that it's going to replace 
the recruitment of American nurses or anything like that will replace American jobs, not by any means. It's just that this is a supply and demand issue. So it's really just another tool in the toolbox. Right. And my question was, was going to be how, how that impact like U.S. nursing careers and jobs. But like you said, there's there's a supply issue. So hopefully yeah. maybe the next couple of years in the future, we can even out these ratios, have better ratios by bringing in other international nurses. Because like I said, nursing is, is a lot more lucrative here than it is kind of anywhere else. My question yeah. is, so let's say somebody gets education, passed their NCLEX. What's like the, the time length? between passing your on collects and being able to finally start working in the U.S.? So right now, the green cards are taking about 12 to about 18 months. So it's a long process. Um, it's complicated. It can feel very overwhelming for both the, the, the nurses and for the healthcare facility. And there are a lot of steps that need to happen in order to ensure that the nurses arrive here in the US and then when they arrive also to be able to make a seamless transition. So it's it's a process. It's not a magic wand. It's not an easy fix. It's not a quick fix. Um, but at this time, we are seeing explosive growth for international nursing. Um, because the other thing with international nursing is you tend to see very high retention rates. Um, I mean, we have one facility in Florida where we've recruited um, just over 450 nurses for them, um, and they had a 93% retention after three years um, on their international nursing. So typically, we tend to see high retention rates. Now, those rates have changed somewhat with the pandemic, as with you know, most hospitals, um, because obviously, you know, a lot of nurses have now left, gone to do traveling, you know, it, it's just kind of disrupted the normal patterns and trends that we saw before the pandemic. Um, but by and large, you see high retention rates, because most international nurses come in highly engaged, they really want to be here, they work really hard to get here. I mean, just to pass the NCLEX, for example, you know, it, it's a few hundred dollars, and if you consider that a nurse in the Philippines just earns a few hundred dollars, it's, it's a huge commitment and investment on their part to get here. So they come in highly engaged. Um, and that is a huge benefit to healthcare organizations here, because not only will they come in and serve as reinforcements for American nurses, but obviously they enormously will, they will be helpful in terms of the patient load, because you're going to have enough, you're going to have more hands on deck. Um, the other advantage is a lot of international nurses are mid-career. In the U.S., you find a lot of nurses are either um, more clo you know, close to retirement age or like new grads. But a lot of international nurses fit into that mid-career run. So what you find is they can also be um, very helpful um, when they are up to speed to act as um, preceptors for new grads. Do they tend oh, to they, do they tend to yeah. pursue more uh, like higher education? Because the majority of nurses that I've met usually they do bedside for like four or five years, then they usually go into like an NP route or they try to get a higher education level. So like you said, yeah. it's, it's nice because these nurse international nurses come as like mid level nurses because they've had a lot of experience and they're willing to do bedside. But do they yeah. they pursue a higher higher edu education because? I could see like some people saying that, hey, if you bring a lot of international nurses, it's going to overwhelm the school system. We're going to have too much higher education people and not enough, like you could say, mid-level. Do they pursue higher education or do they normally stay at yeah. bedsides where they like? Um, I think, you you know, we're speaking generally, I think you're going to find a bit of both. 
So there are going to be some people that are going to pursue their uh, careers professionally or academically in other areas. And you're going to be have some that want to stay in the bedside and can serve as preceptors and helping the new grads come in. I think the other big advantage is the care complexity gap is that um, not only are you losing headcount of nurses leaving the profession, a lot of those nurses are also taking their years of experience so you're left with a lot of new grads that don't have as much experience as those people leaving the profession. So that's where, again, and then you've got the care complexity where people are getting older, people are getting sicker, and you've really got kind of a mismatch on that. Um, so, you know, that's where international nurses can be another piece of the puzzle, another tool in the toolbox, where they come in, a lot of them are mid-career, so they have more experience than those new grads. Um, and again, it can be a very helpful piece to add to the mix when a hospital is dealing with a nursing shortage the way that hospitals are today. Hospitals, nursing homes, rehab facilities are today. Right. And do they bring their whole family with them or is it kind of just you bring a nurse in and they kind of get settled down and then the family comes in or is it just like a one whole kind of package deal? So it'll be a package deal because the nurses are coming in on the EB3 green card, employment-based green card. So that is permanent residency. When a nurse gets permanent residency, their spouse, if they're married, and any kids under the age of 21 will get permanent residency as well. So they will come in as a family. And in fact, that's the other reason why you have such great retention with international nurses, because when they come in with their families, the, the, the you know, the... Um, hospitals need to do this kind of recruitment with an eye to retention. And the quicker that we can have the family settle, the spouse find a job, the kids are in school, they start putting right roots down in the community. That's again, which is the, the one of the factors that makes this so successful from a retention perspective, because they come in, the family settles, and then they put down roots and, and that's great for nurses staying. It's awesome. How has the pandemic been in COVID and everything? How has, what, what have been the biggest struggles with kinetics as far as a pandemic and how did you overcome them? And Henya, have, have the laws changed about immigration like during this whole, whole ordeal? Yes. So, so in terms of the, the first question about how the pandemic has affected things, um, it's added another layer of complexity, let's put it that way, to an already long and complicated process. So, um, Last year, we had a lot of challenges in terms of things like travel, like nurses would book flights and then the flights were canceled because of all the lockdowns and shutdowns and things or, um, you know, consulates were closed or we would see um, things like social security offices being closed. So the nurse can't start working until they've got social security and that caused delays when they came into the country. So those were the kinds of complications and challenges we experienced in terms of the pandemic. Um, in terms of, and, and the other thing also is that there were a lot of the testing centers, like the NCLEX testing centers that were closed. So there were nurses that weren't able to take the exam, who still wanted to come to the US or to take the IELTS, the English exam, those kinds of things. So kind of practical challenges. Um, in terms of the immigration, um, the immigration part, um, you know, it's it's a long process um, and it has, uh, um, that hasn't changed. Um, the one thing that did happen, though, is that 
Um, every year, there are 140,000 visas available for green cards. Um, and it's, it's kind of like a complicated system, but each country gets 7% of those every year. Um, and then this year, because of the pandemic, most of those visas last year weren't, um, weren't used up for green cards. So it meant that there were a minimum of 290,000 visas available. This is the first time that's ever happened in the history of I, that I think anybody knows. Um, and um, it, it's actually quite interesting because I do oh a lot of, let's see, this is live. <laughs> I do a lot of um, uh, shows, um, Facebook live shows. Um, and we actually recently had an immigration lawyer on who used to work for the government and then was an immigration lawyer. And he's been in practice. He's like one of the who's who of lawyers. Um, in America, and he actually said that in, he's been in practice for 40 years, he's never seen anything like that happen before, where there's such a, a surplus of visas available. The thing, though, is that we're seeing such an explosive demand that um, we know that those visas are going to go quick. So if there's any hospital that's even considering um, sponsoring green cards for nurses right now, my advice is to get on the bandwagon quickly because those visas are going really quickly. So it seems like the government is helping out the issue and helping com combat the pandemic. Well, the pandemic has been awful for everybody, as we know, and especially nurses. But that's the one the one good thing that did come out of it is that for uh, temporarily there are more visas available for green cards and, and nurses obviously would fit into that. I know you're not an employer agency, but is there maybe um, some advice you give to, to international nurses or something that you find a nurses struggle with the most? Struggle with the most when they arrive here? Yeah, or arrive here or, or with work. Do they share any of their struggles with you when they do come over? Yes, absolutely. So it can be culture shock for nurses when they arrive in the first few months. Um, and from our side at Kinetics USA, we have a number of tools and methodologies that we have developed over the years to help nurses through that transition time as smoothly and as seamlessly as possible. Um, it typically takes nurses about six to eight, to eight, six to eight months on average to settle. Um, different people might go through this differently. It could be circumstances. It can be personality. Um, there are a number of factors that come into that. It can be the way that the, that the healthcare organization integrates them into their system and how structured they are in that regard. So there are a number of different ways um, and, and uh, reasons that can aid or hinder that uh, assimilation and integration. Um, but there are a lot of challenges that international nurses have when they arrive because, you know, there's, there's the practical things like they've got to get a social security, they've got to get a bank account, they've got to get a cell phone, they've got to get their driver's license. I mean, there's like a lot of stuff that they need to get done. They've got to get their kids in school if they've got kids, they've got to settle them in school, the spouse has got to find a job. You know, there's a lot of practical things that need to happen. Um, and then on the clinical side, there's a lot of things to learn. Um, also, just socially and culturally, there are a lot of differences. So the nurses come in, they don't have a credit history. Um, they don't understand the way that things work in the US. Sometimes they don't understand like um, American colloquialisms, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, so there, there's, there's just a lot of um, 
differences. And there's sometimes some funny stories um, about that. We had a nurse um, who was helping a patient and the doctor said, can you go get a Dr. Pepper? So obviously a drink. And the doctor went, and, and the nurse went running out and was like looking for Dr. Pepper, you know, the, the, doc, the doctor called Dr. Pepper. Um, you know, so we have like sometimes those funny things happen, um, like that miscommunication, but there's a, there's a lot of challenges um, that the nurses experience. And um, it's, it takes a lot of um, patience and um, a lot of empathy and a lot of understanding. But once they've kind of got through those first few months, then they really integrate pretty quickly. And I know you mentioned it takes 12 to 18 months. So Kinetics acts as a consultant in a way, correct? To help facilitate all this. Does the hospital during this process help or aid at all? Or is it mostly just your business? So during that, we call that phase three. So um, phase one is when the nurse applies or the hospital applies to us to work with us. Phase two is the recruiting phase when we're basically doing the match where we're looking for the right match for the right facility um, and making the placement. And then phase three is that piece that you're referring to. In phase three, um, the hospitals need to, if, if it's on an EB3 green card, the hospitals will need to be involved in the setup phase. So um, where they apply for prevailing wage, which is the minimum wage to the Department of Labor, or they supply their financials, there's certain things that the hospitals need to be involved in. Um, But pretty much Kinetics um, USA will help with the nuts and bolts of the immigration, the licensing, the credentialing, onboarding, all of those things for the nurses. And the hospitals will get like a monthly report of the nurses that are in their pipeline and what their progress is. Um, When the nurses are closer to being deployed, that is where the hospitals typically will become more involved again, because that is where we need to set up the education, the orientation, um, the physical like, you know, meet and greet. Uh, Somebody is going to pick them up from the airport, take them to the grocery store, get a social security, those kinds of things. And that's working with the education department to help their education department to come up with bridge training for the nurses in any gaps that they might have identified. And so the nurse, you know, the hospitals are involved kind of at the beginning of that phase three and towards the end of phase three. Um, And then we would do the rest. Is it harder to get green cards approved for certain countries and and visas, or is it kind of streamlined across uh, all nations? So that is an interesting question because that has changed. So under the previous administration, there were certain countries that had bans. So like Iran, Nigeria, for example, had bans for various reasons. Um, under the current administration, those bans went away. So it, uh, you know, it eliminated, for example, Nigeria as a country um, that would have a ban. Um, however, there is one um, thing to mention, and that is that any candidate born in India or in China would not be able to obtain a new petition for a green card at this time. And the reason for that is because, as I said, typically there are 140,000 visas per per year for for green cards allocated, and each country gets 7% of that. So for India and China, those countries have a backlog because they are like oversubscribed. Um, because it's not just nurses, of course, I mean, it's engineers, it's accountants, professionals, 
that are coming from India or China that make those two countries go over that quota for the year. So that is why an, a nurse coming directly from India or a nurse, not coming directly, sorry, let me clarify, it's a nurse born in India or born, because it's where you determine by country of, of birth, or born in China, you would have a significant delay on getting the green card for those two countries. All other countries would, would, would um, uh, you know, are, are what we call current right now. So what I'm thinking about this, yeah. so if I'm trying to get into the United States, and you have to answer this question because I might be left for, for like legal reasons, but if I'm thinking, if I'm trying to become a nurse in the United States and I'm kind of backlogged with these visas, it might be smarter to kind of gain citizenship in a different country and then kind of take that route into the, the United States. You don't have to answer that question, but what's, what's the country that you see that the highest nurses come from? From Philippines. And, and it might not be specifically from Philippines itself. So it might be Filipino nurses who are now working in the Gulf states or Filipino nurses working in the UK or in Canada or in um, Australia, New Zealand or something like that. So that is the highest number that we see in terms of nationality. But to go to your question about the citizenship um, question. So um, that's also another interesting question because only Canada would make it, Canada or Mexico would make a difference um, because you sometimes have, an, so, so say for example, you had a nurse from India, they're born in India, so they wouldn't qualify to get a, an EB3 green card because it's going to be such, well, they would qualify, but it would take such a long time for them to get it because of the backlog for that particular country. If they were to go to, for example, UK, I mean, that would be great experience, but that wouldn't help them from a green card perspective because UK citizenship doesn't really impact the green card process. However, if that nurse went to Canada and they got Canadian citizenship, that nurse could come through on the TN visa. So only Canadian citizens and Mexican citizens qualify for the TN visa. And, and that is different to the green card, which is based on country of birth. Okay, yeah, I was just curious because there are people that I know that try to come to the United States and it was better for them to become a citizen of a different country and then from that country come to the United States. That's why I was kind of yeah. curious on, on, on that. Yeah. So that would be like Canada would be the, the, the alternative into, or, or Mexico, um, but one of the countries that qualify for TN. And that process, you know, by the way, most of this discussion we've been talking about the EB3 green card um, and uh, you know, we haven't really spoken much about the TN visa, uh, but that really is a different route uh, from an immigration perspective. It's quicker. It's not as expensive, um, but they go through the same licensing requirements. So they would they would also have to pass the NCLEX. They would also need to pass the IELTS if they were not trained in English. Um, and they would also need, need to get a visa screen, which is that document from the CGFNS, which evaluates their credentials and their education to make sure it's equivalent to that of an American nurse. Yeah, you guys have a really good process because like first I was thinking um, like the language barrier and the education level, but if, it seems like you guys have, have all, that, all that covered and it makes like our lives easier too because if, if you get an international nurse that's proficient in English, then it makes communication a lot easier and the patient quality is, is a lot better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And exactly. Regarding your Facebook group and your Instagram live, what do you talk about on, on those? 
lots of things. <laughs> and so we have a number of different shows that we do. And we do, so, I mean, we obviously have a lot of posts. So there are a lot of our nurses that, I mean, we brought through thousands of nurses. So we experts at this. We've done this for a long time and we experts at bringing um, people in. So we have a lot of posts from nurses all over the country and um, working in different settings, in different locations and sharing their lives and their experiences. And we also do a lot of shows. So um, we do a show called Onwards and Upwards, which is on the Kinetics platform, where we talk about um, uh, some of these processes. Like if you're an in international nurse or if you're a prospective healthcare organization in the US and you're like, what is the EB3 green card? What does that mean? How does it work? What are the steps? What do I need to know? We do shows on that. We do shows on the TN process on, you know, for Canadian or Mexican citizens. Um, we also do a lot of shows on topics that are important for international nurses, both for the nurses as well as for the facilities that are hiring them. So we do shows where we have experts where we'll talk about credit history. Um, what is, you know, explain what is credit history? How can people um, uh, grow and build their credit history when they arrive in the country and they don't have one? They don't even know what it means. Um, we do shows on financial budgeting, so financial literacy, so things like when you arrive, what do you need to know, how much money should you bring when you, um, uh, in those first six to eight months when you're kind of in a survival mode, what should you know, what are the do's and don'ts, what, you know, what can you learn, what can you share, and then how do you grow and prosper? Um, once you're kind of on your feet financially, we do shows about transportation, how to buy a car, how, what is the difference between leasing and buying, you know, all of those kinds of things that a lot of Americans take for granted. But we feel very passionately about nurses helping nurses, sharing their stories, educating themselves, having experts in that can help the nurses to make that transition as smooth and as seamless as possible. Because things like, you know, if you don't know what credit history is, you don't even know what questions to ask about that. And never mind how to actually build it. And we all know how important just that facet is to be able to get on with your life. It seems like the ultimate yeah. crash course on how to live your life in the United States. That's probably a good way of putting it. Things that we should probably learn in school more. Yeah. yeah, we have shows. Sorry, we, we have shows on like nurses will come on and talk about the different states because most international nurses don't really know much. You know, they'll know Los Angeles, they'll know New York City, they might know Chicago, you know, but they might not know about um, a small town in Wyoming or um, about uh, a city in Texas. Or, you know, so we have a lot of nurses come on and share their stories with other nurses about the different parts of the U.S., what are the things they like about it? What are the attractions? So it's very educational as well as hopefully, you know, entertaining as well. That's amazing. What is your current obsession? It could be both personal or business. Current obsession. <laughs> um, current obsession is to help. Truly. Like, you know, I was an immigrant and I know what it likes to arrive here where you don't know when I arrived here, I felt like I was like on another planet. Literally, I mean, I, I felt like I'd landed on Mars. Everything was different. You drive on the other side of the road from coming from South Africa. I had to settle my children. I had to. My husband was miserable. He hated it here. He's now the proudest American, but he hated it here in the beginning. Um, and I, I really feel like there's a gap where nurses coming in need 
a lot of just, you know, just need support, need education, information to help them to make that transition. And I feel like there's such a need right now with this pandemic and nurses under such enormous strain, emotionally, physically depleted, exhausted, and they need reinforcements. So that means that, you know, it's not just helping the nurses and their families, which I, as an immigrant, I love because that's just, you know, my way of paying it forward personally, but also it's helping the patients that need care, um, that just, we just don't have enough nurses to take care of them and also helping the other nurses. So the quicker we can get the international nurses up to speed, the more they're going to be helping the other nurses, American nurses that they're working side by side with. Um, and, uh, and, and that will be, you know, of enormous benefit to everybody. I don't know if that answers the question, but that's my passion. That's yeah. a great question. That's a great answer. This is truly like the land of opportunity. Like it, it's amazing what we have here and we are all very fortunate to, to be here and take part in, in, in this country. You know, it's crazy. And thank you for taking the opportunity to helping international nurses. Where can people find you? So they can check us out on our uh, Kinetics USA website. Um, they can check us out on our Facebook page, Kinetics USA. And if any international nurses are watching, I always say, never take my word for it of how we help our international nurses. Look at our reviews. Because that, I think, speaks volume of what nurses are saying about how we assist. Um, we have a Kinetics USA YouTube channel. There's a lot of information there about a lot of the shows that we do and the services, which is free information um, for any nurse that's watching. Um, and we also have a lot of information on our LinkedIn company page. Okay. Thank you for everything, and Tanya. Sorry. I'm sorry, what was that? I said, and Instagram. Instagram. And we just started a TikTok channel, so. Oh, nice. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're still um, waiting for the time to where we get on there and start dancing. We haven't done that yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for everything, Tanya. I'm waiting and watching. <laughs> Hope you have a great day. Thank you for everything, Tanya. Thank you for being You're on the welcome. show. You're welcome. Well, thank you for having me on, my, on your show. It was a pleasure seeing you both again. And, um, you know, what do we say? Onwards and upwards. Yep. Thank yes. you so much. Have a great one. Thank Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.